This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Probably what any of you would have done, I stood to my feet and I said, I rebuke that lying spirit in the name of Jesus. And I was just absolutely convinced that that was the devil speaking to me. And, uh, so after a while, I kind of cleared my head, and I, and I said, oh, God, I just repent of every sin I've ever committed and any sin I will commit in the future um, because somehow I, I opened a door to a lying, deceiving spirit. But here I am, oh, God, your servant. Speak to me, and your servant will hear and obey. And I hear the voice a second time saying, my son, I have a work for you to do in Paris, France. And I said, oh, rats. <laughs> I think that's the Lord. Have you ever had that moment where the very thing you said, God, will do anything but? You know what I'm talking about? And then he says, you remember the but? Well, that's it. And you go, oh, no. And I said, well, Lord, you give, you give all the good callings to all my buddies, and you give me France. I mean, what's that all about? Um, and then I heard the voice a third time, and he said, my son, I have a work for you to do in Paris, France. And um, I said, well... Okay, if that's really what you want, that'll be the first mistake you've ever made. And then I repented of that. That was stupid. But what's amazing, though, is that from that moment when I understood... Now, honestly, if you had talked to me the day before, if you had suggested that I had a call to France, I would have said you were the crazy person. I mean, I was born eating hamburgers and apple pie and all of the good American cuisine, pizza... All the good stuff, right? I mean, I, I'm about as American as Americans can come. Um, and, and even the language, I still speak French very like a barbarian. But the folks come back for a second, you know, another dose week after week, so I guess it can't be all too bad. But it's, it's a really living with a handicap. You feel that all the time. You feel like you're living amongst the people who really are not your own but you've adopted them into your heart and you've made them your own. It's really kind of a unique privilege. And, uh, but that's really what destiny is all about. You remember the time when Jacob was traveling and he fell asleep in a place and in the middle of the night he has a vision and he sees a ladder reaching from earth to heaven, which was speaking to him about the Abrahamic covenant and the power of covenant. And, uh, and he saw angels descending and ascending and he looked up at the top of the ladder, and it's very interesting. He says, I saw a door that led to heaven. And he woke up in that place, and he said, wow, God was here, and I didn't know it. I'm just curious, have you ever had a moment like that in your life where you might have seen something or known about something, and you thought, well, there's really nothing to that, and then suddenly you, you have that awakening moment. Oh, my gosh. God is really in this. Um, I had a such moment in, in Israel about, uh, oh, 10 years or so. It's been long enough ago that I can't remember the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, I grew up in a very kind of, um, I, well, I don't like conflict for one. And I had met so many kind of, I call them the Israeli crazies. 
Have you ever met one, you know, that just, they're so zealous about Israel, they're like, they want to be more Jewish than the rabbi. And, you know, and they, they take it as their mission in life is to, you know, get you circumcised and get you, you know, converted to Judaism and, you know, saying Yeshua rather than Jesus and keeping Saturday as the Sabbath and not putting pepperoni on your pizza anymore and all of the rest. And, you know, that had had such a negative impact on my life. I mean, I just was like, oh, my gosh, you know, don't talk to me about things like that. Um, and I had one such guy in my church, beautiful brother. I, I love him. David is his name. Love the guy. Wonderful guy. And, uh, but he was the kind, he kept telling me, Robert, if you want God to double the size of your ministry, you've got to send your tithe to Israel. And I thought, David, you know, give me a verse in scripture that kind of substantiates that, that declaration. And he quotes something out of Romans chapter 13, which actually had nothing to do with tithing or Israel. And he says, see that? There you go. And I go, David, that makes absolutely no sense. You know, just let's just throw all of our hermeneutics out the window and forget about proper interpretation of scripture. And, uh, but he was so persistent. I said to him one day, I said, I, I said, listen, I'll go with you. And you'll say, you know, I'm going to prove to you that there's really nothing to this Israel stuff. So I went with David on a trip, and we had a wonderful time. And he's a smart guy. He got us booked into some four-star hotels right off the bat. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, if this is Israel, sign me up. <laughs> and after a few days, we ended up in, in Jerusalem. And then David announces a beautiful sunny day, which is not that hard to find in Israel, actually. It's usually gorgeous weather, especially if you're from our part of the world where it rains most of the time. But uh, so David announces one morning that we're all going to go down to the Western Wall and pray. And I just thought, what is the most ridiculous thing in the world? Go and stand in front of a bunch of rocks and talk to God. And I just thought, you know, there was no place in my theology at that time for, for that kind of a thing. Are you, I hope I'm not offending anybody here. I'll get to the good stuff in a moment. But it's just, I just thought it would be important for you to get a bit of a context from where I'm coming from. So you can appreciate where my conclusion goes to. So the time comes and I was just having a bad attitude. Pastor, you just seem to me to be a man of extraordinary sanctification. <laughs> and you, I'll, I'll ask your wife after the meeting, but you probably never have a bad attitude. But that day I was, because I wanted to go to the pool. <laughs> I wanted to work on my tan and I thought I can pray to the Lord in the pool <laughs> and enjoy it, you know, and I go down to where there's you know, guys wearing all black and kind of doing things that make me feel uncomfortable. And are you with me tonight? But I thought, ah, come on, be a good sport, Robert, and show the guys that you're a team player and, you know, you can go with the flow and grace, grace. And so I packed up my bad attitude and stuck it down in my pocket. And I thought, okay, let's make the most of it. As we get down to the Western Wall, I look around, all of the guys decided that the last second they all needed to go to the restroom. The loo, excuse me. I forgot how to speak English. Uh, so they all go off to the loo and they leave me all by myself. And I'm surrounded by Orthodox Jews. And um, 
I didn't realize they're all gone until I literally got within a foot of the wall of the rocks. How many of you have been there? Ooh, that's so few. Okay, how many of you would like to go? If you had a free trip, would you go? <laughs> okay, come and see Brian at the end of the service tonight, okay? <laughs> now, Brian is, is an amazing guy. I love him to pieces, and he's just such an inspiration. Every time I get around him, he just... I go back to Paris with a whole lot of new ideas. And Brian, I really honor you for the work that you've done here for all of these years. God bless you. Um, so I just thought, I'm standing in front of the wall, and I thought, well, let's redeem the time. You know, I, King David wrote in the Psalms, even if I descend in Sheol, you are there, Lord. So I figured if God can be in Sheol, he can certainly be here at the Western Wall. <laughs> Such as works my brain. And so, you know, I, I close my eyes. I'm trying to get into the, you know, in the spirit of things. Now, I'm, and I'm a very tactile kind of person. Things are more real if I can touch it. And so just instinctively, I just sort of reached out my, wall, my hand and I, and I touched the wall. Now, what happened next is a bit subjective and I understand if you can't go there with me. But I had an incredible encounter with God. One might call it an open vision, an experience. I don't know what sort of a term to put on it. That's why I know it was from God. Because if I can define it, it's probably not from God. You, you understand what I mean by that. And it was almost as if, the best way that I can explain it is, is sort of like being stuck into a time capsule and being sent back 4,000 years ago to the time of Abraham, and then in a very fast sequence of events, watching all of the history unfold before my eyes in that very spot. And, and, and as that happened, I could just feel this hardness in my heart start to melt. And unbelief just wash away. And, and as, as that very, very fast time capsule came up to the modern time, I, I began to sincerely repent before the Lord for my attitudes. And I had that Jacob moment. God, you were in this place and I didn't know it. And I'm sorry. It really was an awakening for me. All of these years of, and I never would have considered myself anti-Semitic. But I would definitely have considered myself very indifferent. <coughs> and in that moment, I realized my God, who had saved my soul, was very much not indifferent. And that broke my heart. That I was indifferent on a particular subject that was dear to his heart. Hallelujah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Listen, God gave me two girls, two, two beautiful daughters. I love them to pieces. They're in their 20s now. One is married and no, no, no grandchildren yet. But anyway, we're praying and hoping. And... But uh, I didn't have any sons, and I grew up with only brothers. So I went from an all-male education to an all-female home that I'm the head of. And I didn't know what to do especially when they hit their adolescence and they're into clothes. Now, I learned something. When you take your 10-year-old daughter to go buy clothes, you're perceived as a great dad. 
When they're 16, they look at you different in the women's stores. Like, what's that dirty old man doing in this store? I'm like, my daughter, you know, I'm clean. I'm totally clean. All right, that's my daughter. And then it got to the part where I was, honey, I'll wait outside, you know, <laughs> go try on everything you want and, you know, wave when you want me to see it. Uh, but you know why I did that? Because I found out what they liked. I found no pleasure at all in deciding which looked better on them, the red one or the green one, honestly. But you know what? I saw the joy and pleasure in their eyes. And I derived joy and pleasure well, you know, it's a bit like that with my father in heaven. When I find something that he gets excited about, I kind of figure, well, I won't allow myself to be indifferent. How can I? He saved my soul. He's the lover of my soul. Are you with me? I mean, the, if I love him in return, why would I not love what he loves? Are you with me tonight? That's right. You know. And, and so I'm having this incredible moment, this God moment in front of the Western Wall. And, and all of my indifference and, and resistance was just melting away like an iceberg on the equator. I mean, it, there was just no place left for it. But nothing could have prepared me. Now, I, I love history. And so that God would speak to me through history was not a big shock. But what came next was a shock. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight briefly. The second wave, if you could call it a wave, and I, I, I liken it a bit to, I, I'm going to show my age a little bit, sorry about you young people, but back in the day when you know, personal computers first started coming out and if you had a program that you had to upload, you know, download to your hard drive, you had these floppy disks. How many of you can remember, don't raise your hand, that's embarrassing, but all right. That you may remember the floppy disks. Now it kind of freaks me out. My phone wakes me up and says, we are doing an upgrade. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't ask for that. You know, it's kind of scary. It's starting to run our lives. Anyway, that's another subject. As I stood there, the second wave came upon me, and it was God's love. But it was not God's love for the people. I could have, I had a place in my theology for the love of the Jews. God gave me a love for the place. Now, I had no theology for that. I had nowhere to put that. His love for the place. And so began a, a, not a debate, not an argument, but I was sincerely questioning the Lord's choice. And, and it started, and it went a little bit like this. And it was all obviously in my mind, but I felt like I was, I was just having this, this open moment with heaven. I mean, it was just this downloading of, of things that I had no place for. And I found that God doesn't mind your question as long as the attitude of the heart is right. Are you with me? Yeah. You know, I mean, Mary asked Gabriel, how can this be? And that didn't disturb the angel. But when Zechariah asked a similar question, it, it disturbed the angel. And he says, okay, if it's going to be like that with you, you're not going to talk again till the child is born. Are you with me? Yeah. So it all depends on the attitude of the heart. And I said, God, why did you choose this place? I mean, there is nothing here. 
In Congo, at least you've got diamonds, gold, you know. Okay, uh, but th th there's nothing here. I mean, even at least in Saudi Arabia, there's oil. There's not even oil in Jerusalem. And then I said, I said, you know, and Lord, of all of the mountains in the area, and these aren't mountains. I'm sorry. If, if you'd like some mountains, I'll take you to Switzerland. We've got some real mountains over there. I mean, Mont Blanc is, that's a mountain. Zion, it's barely a bump. And, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, that I'm having this dialogue with the Lord, and then I finally say, Lord, there is nothing here. Why did you choose this place? And the Lord just simply responded in this way to me. He says, well, I chose you, didn't I? I said, wow, that's not fair. <laughs> that's no way to win an argument. And then it dawned on me. You see, God chose me because I was a spiritual wasteland. I was dead. There was nothing of value here. The only thing of real value here is him. The only thing of real value in Jerusalem is him. That's why he chose it. He probably looked down upon the earth and said, I'm going to pick the most barren spot on the planet, but I'm going to put my glory there Hallelujah. and make it the center of the earth. Uh, read with me. I, I don't know if you beam verses on the screen. No? Anyway, you might have it on your phone. Uh, I've got it on my computer. This is my Bible. Huh, I've come into whatever century we're in now. Psalm 122. Psalm 122. And the pastor said, I need to get you out of here by midnight. Is that all right? <laughs> Before midnight. So is that all right with you guys? No, children are saying, are you kidding me? Get me out of here. Psalm 122. Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love you. Hallelujah. <laughs> peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For my brothers and companions' sakes, I, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. It's a powerful, powerful text. Um, I, I hope we're all kind of reading off the same script here, and, and you'll forgive me. This is our first time to meet, and who knows, it might be our last to meet, but I hope not, because I, I, there's just some great things going on with you. I sense it in the spirit. Um, but God never, fors never forsook his covenant to Israel. 
There were times because Israel's hardness of heart and their obstinance to God and their disobedience to the covenant, his people forsook the covenants. And so God turned his heart away from the people. But God never, never turned his heart away from his covenants. He cannot. And you would hope as a Christian that he could not turn his heart away from covenant. If God could deny the covenant that he made with Moses, then would it not be possible too for him to deny the covenant he made with Christ? Of which you and I are beneficiaries. Hello. So we, we can't, we cannot believe that God has forsaken any covenant from the time of Abraham up until the present. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 11, verse, verses 1 and 2. He says, has God rejected his people? And he says, even I, an, an Israelite. So we know that he's talking about the Jewish people. And he says, God forbid, God has not rejected his people. Romans chapter 11. And in that chapter, verse 25, I believe it is, gives us an amazing prophetic promise that I believe has yet to come to pass, and that is this, all Israel shall be saved. Hallelujah. And I, I want to make it absolutely clear, there is no salvation outside of Yeshua Jesus. There is only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe we are fast approaching that day. I believe before the Lord can return, that promise, that new covenantal promise must be fulfilled. I believe we're in the early days of seeing that come to pass. I hope you join me in my enthusiasm about that. Jesus Christ came as the seed of Abraham not to start a new religion but to enable all of the goyim, the non-Jewish peoples of the world, to be grafted into the covenants of God and become inheritors of all that God had begun to do with starting with Abraham. Are you still with me? You see, Abraham was promised three distinct things. He was promised a physical descendants. He was promised a physical land. He was promised a seed. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, I believe, says to us very clearly, Jesus Christ is that seed of Abraham, hallelujah, who came and opened the door for the nations. <coughs> Do we have the nations here today? For the nations to be grafted in. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. God, now we are in the time of the Gentiles, but God's dream is the one new man. Hallelujah. The one new man. Praise God. It's fascinating to me that when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, there is no mention. There's actually, there's two things that God doesn't mention. Number one, God doesn't mention a king. And the second thing, God doesn't ever mention a city, a special city. It talks about the land. The land will be the inheritance from the river of Egypt up to the great Euphrates. All of that land was promised to the physical descendants of Abraham. Do you know that to this day, they never took over all of the land promised? 
Now say, I have a problem with the end. Hmm. Because the end cannot come if there's yet one iota of God's word unfulfilled. Hmm. One of the reasons why I pray <laughs> for the Jews to return to the land is because the return of the Jews is linked to the taking of the land. The taking of the land is a fulfillment of a covenant of God. God will not bring to pass the end of all things until all of his promises have been fulfilled. Are you still with me? I believe we will see the fulfillment of the covenant of Abraham. Blessed be his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for the two amens out there. <laughs> now, what is extraordinary is, is when David comes along. And God modifies the Mosaic Covenant with David by giving him basically two things. Promising him a throne that would last forever. A throne that would last forever. Remember what they said about Jesus. You know, he, that he, he was the son of David. Now, David had a lot of heirs living in that time. But only one was given the title son of David. Because it was a reference to the throne of David that he and he alone was able to inherit the throne of David. When God established David's kingship, he said, your throne will be established forever. Everybody say forever. forever. All right, how long is forever? forever. <laughs> you guys are so smart. It's just amazing to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. You all know your history. Uh, I won't repeat all of the details, but very quickly, just so that we've got a context. Um, Israel became a free and autonomous nation around the time of the Maccabees, which is sandwiched in between Malachi and Matthew in your Bible. About 100 years, 150 years about before Christ actually came. But before Jesus came, the Romans came in and brought it under the rule of Rome. So when Jesus came, Israel was no longer a free nation. It was no longer free, self-determining. It's been over 2,000 years between the time that Israel was a free governing nation and the time that God restored Israel in a day, 1948. In 1970, uh, 1970, what am I saying? In the year 70 A.D., just a few short years after the death of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, there was a tragic event in, that happened in the city of Jerusalem. Do you remember what that was? It was the destruction of a very important building to the Jews. Just to give you a hint. Anybody want to venture a guess? Yes. The temple. Awesome. You get an extra piece of candy tonight. Well, if mom and dad approve, okay. Very good. Thank you very much, hon. Yes, the temple destroyed in, in, in A.D. 70. Uh, around the early part of the second century, around 120, I think somewhere between 110 and 120, uh, you had the revolt of the Jewish people. The remain, those that were remaining in Israel at that time revolted against Rome. And that's when Rome came in and literally raised the city of Jerusalem to the ground. And the Jews were dispersed among the nations. This is when Rome changed the name 
of Israel to Palestine. Now, it's important for us to understand Palestine was not created by the Arabs. The, the word Palestine was created by the Romans. As a matter of fact, the Jewish remnant that lived in that area in Palestine referred to themselves as Palestinians up to the creation of the state of Israel. The main bank, which I think is called the Bank of Israel today, I can't remember if that's the official name or not, uh, before the creation of the state of Israel, it was called the Bank of Palestine. It was Jewish run. It was the PLO that adopted the term Palestinian of speaking of the Arab population in that area. And uh, so they kind of hijacked the whole Palestinian identity. It did not exist prior to 1948. It is a very recent invention. The Arab populations were the result of the invading Islamic uh, armies as they marched across the, the Middle East and then North Africa into Spain and you know the, you know the history. But my point is this, no other people ever held as a capital Jerusalem except the Jewish people, ever. It was never an Arabic capital. It was never a Palestinian capital. It has always been and always should be God's capital. Amen. Now, I'm not here to make any political statements. I'll make some tomorrow night. <coughs> it's more of a political rally, but... What I want to share with you is God's heart for the place. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, it says this. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. King Solomon has just built the temple and has just gone through the dedication process. And he turns in verse 3, he turns to bless the whole congregation of Israel and in verse 4, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has with his hands fulfilled that which he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among the tribes of Israel to build a house in, that my name might be there. Neither did I choose a man to, to be a ruler over my people Israel. Verse 6. But I have chosen Jerusalem. This is God. This is the Lord God. This is your Savior, your Lord speaking. Okay, can we just read that one phrase out loud together? But I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name might be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. In Psalm 132, verse 13, Psalm 132, verse 13 says this, For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his habitation, Verse 14, this is my rest for just a short period of time, says the Lord, until I establish my church, and then my church will replace Israel, and I will only live in my church forevermore. Isn't that good that it's in the Psalms that it says that? 
That's what your Bible says. You better trade your Bible for a real one. <laughs> All right, let's re read it for real this time. Verse 14. This is my rest forever. How long is forever? <laughs> it's a long time. Do you realize that for this word to end, God must destroy the heavens and the earth, which is in the plan. Everything here will be burned with fire, and he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> but that's the only way that this word comes to end. So let's just read it again. <laughs> this is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. Listen to this. For I have desired it. I have desired it. Folks, this is my, my papa, my, my heavenly father, saying, I have desired this. You know, we just celebrated the 50th jubilee of, of Jerusalem this past year. It was a wonderful celebration in Jerusalem, just absolutely wonderful. And, uh, you know, they have actually, archaeologists right now are unearthing the actual literal city of David. It's, 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 it's actually outside of the modern walls of Jerusalem. Okay. So it does put a bit of a different spin on some of the biblical texts. But it's, it's absolutely fascinating what they're finding now. I mean, the amount of archaeological discovery, I, th I read someplace, Pastor, and you might know this better because uh, I'm bad with numbers, but it's something like 75% of all biblical archaeological discoveries have been made since 1975. Something like that. It is just absolutely phenomenal. What a time you and I are living in. Really, what a time we're living in. It's just phenomenal. The scriptures are coming alive before our eyes. I had the honor on one of my trips to Israel to meet an archaeologist who is not, he's Jewish, but not a practicing Jew and not a Christian. But he accepted an invitation to our meeting. He had just come up with this amazing archaeological discovery that put him on all of the anti-Christian archaeologists' blacklist. For all, for all of the cities, as, as Israel marched through the desert and as they established cities in the promised land up until the time of David, every city, the walls were shaped in the, in the, in the form of a footprint. And they're unearthing all of these, you know, when I say city, you understand very what we would call a town or a village today. In Scripture, they'd call it a city. But the walls, all of them were shaped in the shape of a footprint. Confirming the word about wherever the sole of your foot treads, I will give you that land. And even the walls of David they have found were shaped in the shape of a foot. It's amazing. And do you know where that comes from? In the time of Joseph... The pharaohs, all of the pharaohs, they would inscribe on the sole of their sandals the names of the peoples that they had conquered. <coughs> so that's where that phrase comes from. Wherever the sole of your foot treads, that is what I will give you. Praise God. That is powerful. Do you know why that's so powerful for you and I? Because where, is, where are we to put the devil? You got it. 
That is our land to conquer. Have we finished conquering our land? How many of you think we have a little bit more work to do in the spirit realm? Amen? But this is amazing. And, and, and after this wonderful celebration we had this past October and, uh, and listening to some of the archaeological discoveries and at the, the very last day after, actually after all the festivities were done, I, I just had to go take some time with the Lord just to be alone. So I walked down to the Western Wall and I just sat there and I, and I just observed. And I said, God, I didn't realize how much you love this place. I mean, 10 years ago, you spoke to me and you gave me a love. You baptized me with your love. But now I really understand. Scriptures testify to it. You desire this place. And I looked up and I saw that ugly gold dome. What a blight. And this, this, I can tell you this, yes? Are you streaming this on the internet? <laughs> don't stream this part if you do. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get you guys in trouble. I don't mind trouble. Um, but just something, just this holy righteous anger rose up within me. And I said, what an abomination. This is an abomination to my God. This is my God's town. And what sits up on the tallest hill? A reminder that he's not welcome. Wow. And I, and I tell you, just something rose up in me. Tomorrow I'll be talking a little bit about the 19, um, is it 76 or 67? 67. <laughs> the six-day war in which Israel took, took back Jerusalem and claimed it as their capital. And of course, you know that following that declaration is when uh, all of the Arabic countries uh, threatened an oil embargo on every nation that retained its embassy in Jerusalem. So, like cowards, they all pulled out. America among them, Great Britain among them. And uh, for, uh, I can't remember how many U.S. presidents during, at some point during their election campaign, you know, you can't really, since the time of, of of uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, Ronald Reagan. You, you really can't get elected in America by being anti-Semitic openly. And so they would all give lip service. Well, recently we had some guy, not a politician at all, and maybe not the most polished human being in the world. Uh, I won't defend crudeness, but, you know, he made a promise and, well, he kept it. What a shock that is. A politician that made a promise and actually kept it. And I don't know if you heard, but uh, this in, in about two months' time, the U.S. will move its embassy back to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. What a shock. What a shock. It's just simply we've got a guy leading the nation now that really doesn't care what anybody else thinks. I don't know if that's always good. But in this case, I think it's darn good. Amen. And praise God. Listen, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Let's, let's recognize what is God's desire. Let's get ourselves in line with the desire of heaven. You know, I have, I have learned one thing. I'm not the quickest brain in the world, folks, but I'm not stupid. And I have learned that there's two ways to go about getting blessing. One, I can convince God that what I want is in his best interest. <laughs> 
That, my friend, is a tough sell. <laughs> Let me just tell you, that's a tough sell. The other way is to find out what God's interest is and get yourself in line with it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Then you're guaranteed a blessing. That's right. Oh. And so basically that has been my, my, my journey as I've walked down this road, as I've understood what is the heart of God. God loves his own word. Hallelujah. And he promised some things to some of the physical descendants of Abraham. It was God's election, God's choice. It was arbitrary, but nevertheless, God's choice. Are you with me? God chose you. Why didn't he choose everybody in your family? God chose you in your neighborhood. Why didn't he choose everybody else in your neighborhood? It is God's desire for all men to be saved. Why are not all men saved? There's something about God's election, folks, you cannot explain. It is just his choice. Are you with me? And there's something that God decided to do with Abraham and his physical descendants, and God is not done yet. Hallelujah. And so I encourage you tonight. I encourage you, don't be indifferent. Because God is not indifferent. Get interested in what God is interested in. And I'm not telling you this because I'm a director of, the, of a branch in, of the ICEJ. I would be this passionate even if I wasn't a branch director. It's not my job. I don't get paid for this. Okay? This is my passion. Hallelujah. I, I get to do this on top of what my mission actually is in life, and that's mainly the, the local assembly that I've understood God is passionate. And I believe as we march towards the end of all time, God's passion for accomplishing all of his word is actually increasing as day goes, as day goes by. And so I believe there's several things that God is calling his church today. Number one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that doesn't, that's not a political settlement, folks. True peace can only come in Messiah Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Are you with me? Amen. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You want blessing? God actually said, here's a prayer. If you pray this prayer, you'll get blessed. How many of you want blessing? Well, there you go. There's three people that want blessing. <laughs> so, pastor, next Sunday, maybe you should preach on, on blessing. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So, pray for the peace. Number two. Transform your desire for change into positive action for change. Hmm. That's a strategic pause. It's a communications technique to get you to think about what I just said. All right. Transform your desire. How many of you like the world the way it is? You really love it. It's just awesome. Let it get worse and worse and worse. That's great. I'm totally in favor. Are you, are you, okay, I, I, I doubt you would be here tonight if that was your attitude. I mean, most of you, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I don't think anybody wants to raise their hands tonight. But most of you probably agree with me, excuse me, that you want to see the world change. Hallelujah. Okay, you want things to get better. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Wanting it won't make it happen. Doing something about it will. And I, and I really, listen, I, my time is short, my finances are short, my energy is short. But again, when I find out what God loves and is passionate about, and I align myself with that, you know what? I always seem to have enough. Are you with me? God told me this. You will always, I will always give you grace for what you must do. I will sometimes give you grace for what you want to do. But I will rarely give you grace for what you can do without me. Well, that was free. You can go home and think about that one if you want to. Number three, actively believe that modern-day Israel, with all of its problems and all of its shortcomings, and there are plenty over there, let me tell you. I remember my, one of my early trips as we got off and you deplaned out on the tarmac. It was, they didn't have the, you know, the, the corridors yet lined up. And you actually de descended right on the tarmac and you had to walk over into the uh, terminal building. And as we did, our, our tour guide, as she got a French lady, she got off, she said, man, the air is just more beautiful over here. And I took a big whiff and I said, smells like kerosene to me. <laughs> jet fuel you know i thought ah oh, no not really it smells kind of stinky <laughs> israel's got a lot of problems but god's chosen this people that he's birthed this nation at such a time we cannot be indifferent amen yeah. it, israel today modern israel is, is a part of god's prophetic timepiece Number four, recognize that the church of Jesus Christ has its roots starting with Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. Now, that's important for us. I call them our Hebraic roots. We've started in our church to understand what Pesach is all about. A Passover, excuse me. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of banned the word Easter, which you do understand comes from the Babylonian DS Ishtar. Yeah, think about that in a few weeks when you wish one another happy Easter. You're actually saying happy Babylonian goddess of fertility day, uh, which is absolutely horrendous to think that what more glorious event is there for you and I than the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that just like the devil to take that which is the most precious to us and tarnish it? So we, we wish one another happy resurrection day which makes sense because that's what it is it's not easter it's resurrection amen yeah. god didn't give us easter he gave us a resurrection yeah. anyway just the thought the lord spoke to me one time i know i got to end i'm going to do this quickly but when the lord spoke to me once he said son there is still idolatry in your life that i want to deal with you see, God doesn't want to Judaize the church. He wants to deliver us from our Greco-Babylonian roots. And that's all I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> I, I am thrilled that I am not Jewish. 
I love pepperoni <laughs> on my pizza and a bit of ham from time to time. I rejoice that I am goyim. Hallelujah. <laughs> I really am. But you know, but no, no, I don't rejoice that I'm goyim. I'm, I rejoice that I am new creation. Hallelujah. Why would I want a demotion? Become Jewish. Hello? <laughs> I am new creation. Wow. You can't get better than that. Listen, in, in the first covenant, you were elected, but in the, in the new covenant, you're adopted. Which do you want? You want election? That's, to me, a demotion from adoption. Hello? Yeah. I mean, in the first covenant, you're a servant of God. That's not bad. But in the new covenant, you're a child of God, which is better. Which do you want? I want child. I'd rather be a child that serves than a servant that's not a child. Hello? And in, in the first covenant, you could be touched by the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the new covenant, you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Which do you want? Listen, I carry the power wherever I go. I don't have to pray, oh, power fall. That's a first covenant song. It's not a new covenant song. You know, glory descend. That's the first covenant song. That's not a new covenant song. The glory is here. I am the temple. Hello. If I'm having to pray, oh, God, fill your temple, that means I didn't pray at home. <laughs> Hello, pastor. Do you want empty vessels coming into your church or you want vessels that are filled coming into your church on Sunday? I'd rather them be filled before they leave their house. Thank you very much. Makes my job easier. You see, we're afraid to be Judaized, but the vast majority of us have the mentality of the first covenant, not the mentality of the, of the, of the superior one. Okay, I, I've got to close. You guys are so good. You listen so well. It's hard for me to stop. Okay, but I did promise I'm going to stop. Okay. I really want to encourage you tonight. If you are not actively praying for Israel, start now. Okay? If you, you know, Zechariah chapter 14 tells of a time when God would call the nations of the earth, that's you and me, to go up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord God at the Feast of Tabernacles. That is in your Bible. It shocked me when I read it for the first time. I thought, who put that there? It wasn't there before. But it's in there, Zechariah 14. And the nations that refuse to go up, God says, I will curse them. Hmm. How many want cursing? No one. How many wants blessing? Me. So you know what I do? I go where there's the blessing. Again, I'm kind of slow, but I'm not stupid. God says, go to Jerusalem on tabernacles, be blessed. So what do I do? I go to Jerusalem at tabernacles, and I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Yeah. So let, let, let me just close. Be active in your prayer. Begin to bless the covenants of God. Pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. And if you're in a place, don't ever take your money out of your local church, but if you're in a place where at the end of the month you've got a little extra, 
you can send it to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Somebody was afraid I was going to say that, so I just thought I'd go and play with them. But uh, no, don't send it to me. But invest it. Invest it in the work that God's doing in Israel. Let's get involved. Let's become active in our faith and in our prayer for the salvation of Israel. Amen? Would you stand to your feet, please? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for this people. They're just, they're awesome people. I just, wow. I wish I could take you all back with me to Paris. And uh, Father, thank you for this wonderful man of God and the congregation that stands with him, the leadership, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all of the miracles this, that this house has seen up to this time. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the spirit of revival that birthed this house. Glory. Lord, there's a well of revival in this place. And I speak, Lord God, over this well, and I command the waters of the wells of revival spring forth Hallelujah. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And once again, bring the waters, bring the living waters of God's eternal life to the thirsty souls in this area. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the many miracles that have happened in this house. And I call for there to be a new release yes. of the miraculous power in the name of Jesus. Lord, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for this move of the Spirit. And I, I prophesied it this morning, and, and I believe it's a, just a move over Northern Ireland, that a new move among young people is arising. There is a tide that is coming in, and it's coming in so, so slowly you might not even see it. But uh, the tide is rising, so make room, says the Lord. Make room for the youth. Make room now. Make room in your heart. Make room in your soul. Make room in your culture. Make room in your strategy. For there is a, a harvest of young people that God is, going, is bringing in. I declare it now. He's bringing in the harvest now. And Father, I pray in this house that you would release the workers. Whew. And I see God bringing in one or two workers specifically to help in the harvest of the youth. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the heart that you've already given the pastor here, that you've given the members for Israel and for your people and for Jerusalem, your city. Father, I pray that you would bring great blessing upon this house because of their generosity, because of their openness. But Lord, I, I pray, God, that in this exhortation tonight and in this revelation, that you would take this people to a higher level even. In the name of Jesus, lift them up higher, Father. Lift them up higher in their intercession, in their activities, Lord God, in, in the preaching of your word, in their understanding of the Hebraic roots of our faith. Release newness to them, I pray. Freshness in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name, every covenantal name ever given. By God, there is no other covenantal name greater and more precious in heaven than the name Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Father, I bless this house in that name, and we give you the thanks for it. Yes. 
amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share this evening with you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.